Section 5 of The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brandon B. The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln by Orville J. Victor. Chapter 5. In Congress. Mr. Lincoln was elected to Congress from the Central District of Illinois in 1846, and took his seat in that body on the first Monday in December 1847. Mr. Winthrop of Massachusetts was elected Speaker of the House. This house was replete with the best talent of the country, and it proved one of the most agitated and agitating sessions ever convened in Washington. Enrolled with Mr. Lincoln, as Whigs, were such names as Colomer, Tolmage, Ingerstoll, Botts, Klingman, Steffens, Toombs, and Thompson. While opposed to him in politics were others, not less distinguished, of whom we may mention Wilmot, Bocock, Rhett, Lynn, Boyd, and Andrew Johnson the latter afterward his associate and coadjutor in the great work of restoring the Union. Such conspicuous lights as Webster, Calhoun, Dayton, Davis, Dix, Dickinson, Hale, Bell, Crittenden, and Corwin constituted a senatorial galaxy which seldom has been outshone. Mr. Lincoln was the only representative from his state who had been elected under the Whig standard, his six colleagues being all Democrats. He entered into the spirit of his new duties with characteristic energy, voting pro or con on every important question, ever ready with his tongue for the argumentative contest, and frequently exhibiting a power of utterance quite remarkable in its effect upon his ever-attentive listeners. Mr. Giddings, having presented a memorial, December 21, 1847, from certain citizens of the District of Columbia, asking for the repeal of all laws upholding the slave trade in the district, a motion was made to lay it on the table, when Mr. Lincoln voted in the negative. Although he went with the majority of the Whig party in opposing the declaration of war with Mexico, he invariably supported, with his vote, any bill or resolution having for its object the sustenance of the health, comfort, and honor of our soldiers engaged in the war. On the 22nd of December, he introduced with one of his characteristically humorous and logical speeches in their favor, a series of resolutions, keenly criticizing the motives which had superinduced the war. In later years, it was charged against Mr. Lincoln by those whose political enmity he had incurred that he lacked a genuine patriotism, inasmuch as he had voted against the Mexican War. Quote, the charge was sharply and clearly made by Judge Douglas at the first of their joint discussions in the senatorial contest of 1858. End of quote. Mr. Lincoln replied, 
I was an old Whig, and whenever the Democratic Party tried to get me to vote that the war had been righteously begun by the President, I would not do it. But when he, Judge Douglas, by a general charge, conveys the idea that I withheld supplies from the soldiers who were fighting in the Mexican War, or did anything else to hinder the soldiers, he is, to say the least, grossly and altogether mistaken, as a consultation of the records will prove to him. This plain denial of a false assertion is proof sufficient in itself, for it bears the impress of veracity. Mr. Lincoln's congressional career, though brief, was important and brilliant to a singular degree, and is well worthy of a diligent study by the student in statesmanship. On the right of petition, says Mr. Raymond, Mr. Lincoln, of course, held the right side, voting repeatedly against laying on the table, without consideration, petitions in favor of the abolition of slavery in the District of Columbia. Quote, on the question of abolishing slavery and the district, he took a rather prominent part. A Mr. Gott had introduced a resolution directing the committee for the district to introduce a bill abolishing the slave trade in the district. To this, Mr. Lincoln moved an amendment instructing them to introduce a bill for the abolition, not of the slave trade, but of slavery within the district. The bill which he proposed prevented any slave from ever being brought into the district, except in the case of officers of the government, who might bring the necessary servants for themselves and their families while in the district on public business. It prevented anyone, when resident within the district, or thereafter born within it, from being held in slavery without the district. It declared that all children of slave mothers, born in the district after January 1st, 1850, should be free, but should be reasonably supported and educated by the owners of their mothers, and that any owners of slaves in the district might be paid their value from the treasury, and the slaves should thereupon be free. And it provided, also, for the submission of the act to the people of the district for their acceptance or rejection. The question of the territories came up in many ways. The Wilmot Proviso had made its appearance in the previous session, in the August before, but it was repeatedly before this Congress also, when efforts were made to apply it to the territory which we procured from Mexico, and to Oregon. On all occasions, when it was before the House, it was supported by Mr. Lincoln, and he stated, during his contest with Judge Douglas, that he had voted for it, quote, in one way or another about forty times, end quote. He thus showed himself, in 1847, the same friend of freedom for the territories which he was afterward during the heats of the Kansas struggle. Another instance in which the slavery question was before the House was in the famous Pacheco case. The ground taken by the majority was that slaves were regarded as property by the Constitution, and, when taken for public service, should be paid for as property. The principle involved in the bill was, therefore, 
the same which the slaveholders have sought in so many ways to maintain. As they sought, afterward, to have it established by a decision of the Supreme Court, so now they sought to have it recognized by Congress. Mr. Lincoln opposed it in Congress as heartily as he afterward opposed it when it took the more covert, but no less dangerous, shape of a judicial dictum. On other questions which came before Congress, Mr. Lincoln, being a Whig, took the ground which was held by the great body of his party. He believed in the right of Congress to make appropriations for the improvements of rivers and harbors. He was in favor of giving the public lands, not to speculators, but to actual occupants and cultivators, at as low rates as possible. He was in favor of a protective tariff and of abolishing the franking privilege. End of quote. In the Whig National Convention of 1848, Mr. Lincoln was a delegate and earnestly advocated the nomination of General Zachary Taylor as the nominee for the presidency. During the ensuing canvass, he, quote, stumped the states of Indiana and Illinois in support of his favorite candidate. In Illinois, the Democrats, under the leadership of Douglas, made Herculean efforts to save the state to their nominee, General Cass, and succeeded, as was expected they would. In 1849, he was a candidate for United States Senator, before the Illinois legislature, but was beaten by General Shields, the Democrats having control of the state. The bitterness of the previous presidential canvass was intensified by the desire to elect also a legislature which should return a Democrat to the United States Senate. Mr. Lincoln visited Massachusetts once during the campaign and was present at the Massachusetts State Convention by invitation of parties endeavoring to effect harmony of action between the strict anti-slavery and the Whig, or conservative factions. He did not speak, however, except at New Bedford, where he made one of his happiest efforts. End of section 5